Hi everyone and welcome to the PAMA podcast. I am James Prescott, your host, and welcome to the show. Uh, really great to have you all here today and uh, I'm delighted to welcome a new guest to the show today, a friend of mine and uh, someone I've uh, been trying to get on the show for a while, as seems to be the case with a lot of guests. Um, yeah, Jonathan Puddle, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. So good to connect here, man. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, we haven't talked for a while. This year just seems to have gone past really quickly, but also really slowly. You know what I mean? Seriously. Because um, we're recording in November 2020. Um, the last time we had a one-to-one chat was about a year ago, which is doesn't feel like a year ago, but yet feels like longer than a year. <laughs> it's like, time Time has lost all meaning, it seems, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really strange this year. Um yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, but this year has been, uh, kind of good for you in, uh, in one sense because you've released a book. Um, you know, Jonathan hosts a podcast called The Podcast, which is really cool. Uh, it's a great name for a podcast and it's a great podcast. Um, but he also released a book this year, uh, called, um, You're Enough Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You, which is really exciting. Thanks. It's been, like you said, it's been kind of a funny year with all this stuff mixed in. And and one of the things mixed in for me was finally getting this book out the door, which has been, you know, I mean, everyone says it's a labor of love, right? All these books, they, they take time. This one actually turned around pretty fast. I, I went on the journey in my own life that produced this book all through 2019. So I was kind of going through this stuff, uh, the spirit leading me to learn to love myself better. And as I was going through that journey, I thought to myself, you know what? Um, if, if there's any way I could help other people distill some of these things so not everyone has to go and do the deep dive that I had to do, that would be good. And so I thought, well, I'll try, I'll, maybe I could, maybe a devotional kind of format would work, you know, like a 30 day kind of journey. And I had no idea if it would work, so I kind of began writing it. And then early 2020, I think January, I sent it out to a bunch of beta readers and uh, and they said, hey, this is really good. It works. So I was like, okay, sweet, because I wasn't sure it would work. So uh, then, yeah, the year rolled on and September uh, it, it came out and it's uh, so far it's been received really well. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped and humbled, you know, kind of surprised. Yeah, it's and it's really great book. I I I love it. It's um, it's it's very simple in a way, but it's it's very deep, very intimate as well. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, we got a chance to read it before it came out, and yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, what what is it? What's the story behind this book? I mean, how did it kind of come about? That what's the story that led you to kind of create this book and share this with others yeah you know the the context background if we go if we roll the clock way back i was one of those kids with a pretty happy childhood uh two parents in the home everything's good gave my heart to jesus when i was four years old and you know i wouldn't have said that i had any major traumas in my life uh, but as my adulthood rolled on and the wheels started to come off my marriage and my mental health and my emotions. And, and as I started, I was like, I actually have to learn about my body and my mind 
and my emotions. I've been through workplace burnout twice and starting to realize that maybe there were some things in my story that were painful and difficult. I know that you uh, have similarly been influenced by Ondi Kolber, and she helped me see, oh, yeah. you know, Jonathan, that that the absence of supports that you needed, that's also trauma. It's not just the big bad things that happened to you. It's also not getting what you needed when you needed it. And that was really like a simple little truth, but that was hugely impactful for me because I began to realize, oh, yeah, while I haven't had all these big bad things happen to me, there were plenty of periods in my life where I didn't have what I needed to thrive, uh, didn't have what I needed to to grow confidence and to develop areas of my masculinity, especially. So I'm, I grew up with big emotions and I f- have felt for years like they were a liability to me. And I'd gotten to this point where I had pretty much, uh, ba- I developed some really codependent relationships with a bunch of different people, friends, colleagues, and so on, partly because my wife and I weren't connecting in, in certain emotional ways. And I went to go and find those connections wherever I could. And, you know, as, one of the things I learned about codependence is that there, it, it actually is propping up a real need, but it's meeting that real need and probably unsustainable and maybe unhealthy ways. So I kind of got to this point where a bunch of stuff wasn't working. And, and I felt like God said to me, Jonathan, you need to learn to love yourself. That that's, what's going to change things for you. You you're actually surrounded by amazing people who love you and think you're great, but you don't believe it about yourself. And until you become responsible for loving yourself, your heart is kind of going to be like a bottomless pit. And everyone around you is not really going to be enough for you because you're not enough for yourself. That's the first issue. And so I was kind of like, well, I don't, e- I don't even know how to solve that problem. I don't know what that means. I don't, I didn't even really have a huge theological grid for it. You know, like on the one hand, I knew I had already kind of been moving into that territory that God is, uh, mm. God is not violent. God is redemptive. God's love is not, you know, God isn't this angry, violent character, but I hadn't yet learned to offer any of that to myself. And so that was the journey in, in early 2019. I kind of sat down on my couch and I said, okay, God, if this is a thing, then you're going to have to show me through it. And that's how it began. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? That often we talk about God, you know, God's love for everybody else and how He loves everybody else, and we forget that, forget about ourselves. You know, uh, I've definitely been in that place as well. Uh, and actually, at some at one point, I was going through a bit of a trauma, and and it was it was part of me that was saying, "Oh God, you love everybody else, but don't you don't love me." Um, it's like I'm the exception to the rule, right? Um, you know, is that? Did you ever experience something like that? Yeah, I think, I think, in a sense, like I knew intellectually that God loved me, and I knew that God loved everyone else. I think that when I had read scriptures like Matthew twenty-two, "Love your neighbor as yourself," somewhere along the lines, I had basically read that as like "Love your neighbor instead of yourself." And so, so for me, I think I was fine that God loved me. I was pretty settled on that, but, but really that was all I had to go on because I wasn't allowed to love myself. And basically 
hopefully God was just enough for me. Like, you know, Jesus is enough. End of story. Off we go. But, but somewhere in there, actually, like I really despised myself. And not only like did I despise myself, but I was actually like really disconnected from myself. And so it, it meant that I really actually just couldn't even, what's, what's the word? I couldn't, I couldn't imbibe the love. I couldn't meta- they're metabolize. That's what I'm looking for. I couldn't actually metabolize the love that other people had for me because it wasn't something I was feeding myself. And even, I guess, with God, it was just kind of like an intellectual assent that God loves me, God loves me. Yep, I'm his precious son. That's good, that's good, that's good. But it hadn't it hadn't landed in a way that I was allowed to really own that and to just sit in it and to be at peace and to embody it for myself and to actually just like enjoy it. Like I, I knew it, and but something about giving it back to myself was the missing piece, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it it's so easy, isn't it, to 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 look at your own to to kind of look at social media and see everyone's curated lives. <laughs> and you know, and think that yours is better that you're the only one who's got like these big deep things painful things going on you know it's right uh and especially yeah, that's, that's become more common now with you know how social media is that you, you kind of um some people are some people are still quite vulnerable on social media but a lot of people don't share everything and so you start you can start to think that their lives are perfect and yours aren't yours isn't and that somehow you've been forgotten by god you know totally um and yeah, it sounds like that's something that you kind of experienced. Yeah, it, it's like uh, the, the social media thing is fascinating, right? Because I I would tend to pride myself on as being a fairly vulnerable and authentic person. You, I, I try to to put out the reality of who I am in all of my interactions with people, whether that's face to face or on social media. But the reality is, is obviously social media is just snapshots of time. And so you can choose to, to be very curate and choose, okay, well, I'm wanting to make sure that 30% of my time when I'm happy, I'm posting and 30% of the time when I'm sad, you know, if you want to take it from, from that approach. But it's it does, it does really, uh, I think this idea of these snapshots of our life that we then share and we, by sharing them, I think we are intrinsically inviting people to comment on them and to critique or to uh, affirm these aspects of our lives. And I don't think that that's inherently wrong, but if we are not also living life in tune with ourselves and able to look at ourselves and say, Jonathan, James, you just did something that was really hard and difficult, and you could have slacked off and uh, numbed out, but you didn't, or at least you didn't the whole time. You sat here and faithfully got this thing done, and you know what? Probably hardly any other human being on the planet will ever appreciate how hard it is that what you just did, but I see it. I see what you did. Well done. If nobody else ever knows, I am proud of you. If we can give those 
kinds of gifts to ourselves. It's been a game changer for me, man. I don't know if it's going to be a game changer for everyone, but for me, it's it's changed so much about how I about the pace that I run around with and about what I am looking for and what what gaps I'm looking in my heart to be filled from social media. I can start actually to give myself those gifts and all of a sudden I'm not that fussed anymore when I lose a handful of followers or when I don't get likes. It's kind of like, you know what? I like myself and the rest of those people can take off if they want. That's fine with me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but, but it wasn't fine with me before because I yeah. needed it. I, it was really filling a void in my life. And now that I'm filling that void myself, everything else is a lot more chill. Yeah, absolutely. It it does make a difference, doesn't it? When you start to um, get your validation from within yourself, you know, like you are, you are enough, you know, that, that, that this, this is the title of the book, you know, that actually believing that and internalizing that is a powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because people often ask, you know, I get, I get a few different approaches from, from folks like yourself and those of us who are in these communities that are leaning into mental and emotional health. You are enough is a familiar saying that we've heard elsewhere in the culture. And so some people have been like, Oh, great. Good. Good choice. I get I get where you're coming from. Other people have said, uh, well, you, you're kind of piggybacking off other things. Maybe you should have chosen a more original title. And yet when I, of course, when I interact with with people in a in a more uh Calvinist or a, or a more fundamentalist space, I I hear things like, No, you are not enough. Only Jesus is enough. How dare you say that? And and so it's just it, it cracks me up because ultimately. It's not something that I easily believe about myself. And that's why I have to keep saying it. You know, when I, when I sit with other people and I've done, you know, when I've done some sort of spiritual direction with, with folks and we're listening to, to, to what God knows our hearts need to hear, so often what people speak out to me before I'd even titled the book this was that God is telling them that they're enough. God is telling them that they don't need to perform for his love, that if they never achieved anything or became anybody, they're already enough. And so I kind of just kept seeing that happen over and over again. You are enough. Like, what, what, is, what is God telling you right now? Well, God is telling me, he says, you are enough. And he wants me to say it to myself. And I'm like, okay, well, well, I'm going to just double down on that right now, right now, and I'm going to give that the name of my book and weave that throughout. And if people like it, fine. And if it's a litmus test that exposes their own self-hatred, that's also fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's something I keep saying over myself because I because obviously there's these parts of my heart that need to hear it. And I actually, I don't say I am enough because I find that slightly incongruous with my own beliefs about myself. But when I say, Jonathan, you are enough, it gets me just a little bit outside my head and and it's my voice partnering with the voice of love and and that seems to make all the difference for me yeah 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 one of the things that this this book is about is you know mental and emotional health and kind of being trauma informed you know as as a follower of jesus what what's your experience of that and how did how has that changed for you? I think that uh, probably 
the tradition that I grew up in, which has really many strengths, especially an expectation of the Holy Spirit to to be involved, that that God is still present and and imminent and, and here. But one of, I think, the drawbacks that I grew up with was kind of like this idea that if we just have enough faith, then we don't need to worry about us, whatever us means. And, mm. and because we were very spiritually focused and focused on encounters with God, there was, I think, this very subtle kind of Gnosticism that came into my tradition where it's like, well, you know, it, we just want to go away to heaven with the Lord. And we don't really need to think too much about our bodies or our emotions or things like that. So as, as I mentioned earlier, when, when Andy Kolber helped me see that I also had been a victim of trauma in my life, and when I began to understand how trauma kind of is kept in our bodies, I, I, I began to see that that actually there's a there's a lot in scripture that I think is really trauma informed. And I and I had this encounter kind of mystically with God where I was just meditating on the cross and I was struck by these words of Jesus where you know he says after having been nailed up there and abused and everything, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I thought to myself, good Lord, no pun intended, that is that is surely like the trauma-informed heart of Scripture. That, that God made flesh would experience life like us he would know what our temptations and our pain and our rejection, what that would all feel like. And then he would take on our sin and he would feel sin the same way we feel sin. You know, we feel that God is far away. We feel that God can't come anywhere near us. You know, what does Jesus cry out? My father, why have you forsaken me? Now, if we believe that God is everywhere holding all things together, and like the psalmist says, you know, we could go to the grave even there, you you would be with us. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think it's possible that the father could any in any way turn his back on the son. But I think Jesus experienced sin the same way we experience sin, which blinds us to God's close presence. And so, so God is human and God is divine. Having tasted all of this, says, oh, father, they have no clue what they're doing down here. And so the good and just thing would be to forgive them. And and that just began to blow my heart and mind wide open. That if we can look at ourselves and one another and say, okay, you are not, uh, you may be responsible for the ongoing actions in your life, but it is not your fault what happened to you. The things that that happened in your life that, that caused trauma in your brain and in your body, you didn't choose those things. You, I mean, you didn't even choose to be born. I mean, I don't know. I didn't choose to be born. <laughs> James, did you choose to be born? <laughs> no. Like, like not, not, one of, not one of us no. chose to come down here and live this life and be and and be human. And so in a certain sense. God holds a greater culpability than we do. God, of course, invites us to to make good things out of this mess, just like he's always making good things out of our mess. 
but he doesn't hold any of it against us and we because we never chose it in the first place. So if we can start looking at ourselves and, and applying that same trauma lens that says, okay, Jonathan, when you are acting, when, when you get really triggered, that's not because you're rational. That's not because you're suddenly like hating on everybody because you've made a rational conscious decision to do that. You're, you've moved outside the window of your tolerance. You've moved outside of what you can tolerate in the fullness of your humanity. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold you responsible in the fullness of your humanity. I'm going to treat you with compassion and grace. I'm going to let you a little bit off the hook of being responsible for these actions. But I am also going to say, okay, what can we do to, to expand our window of tolerance? What, are, what can we do to heal? What can we do to ensure that we are not acting out of these lizard parts of our brain, that we are not spazzing in all directions and spewing poison on other people? How can we become responsible for our future actions while also letting ourselves off the hook for the past and sitting in gracious forgiveness uh, the same way God has gracious forgiveness for us and is always inviting us to healing but doesn't hold any of our past against us? It just it boggles my mind. And so that's been kind of my thing. We've, we've got to be able to figure this out and embody it and live it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. It's about living it, isn't it? It's about and the story of Jesus always inspires me. I, I talked to my friend Becky on this show about um, Jesus' own emotional trauma. You know, he, he lost a parent and he was a social outcast as a child, you know, and then he suffered this incredible trauma as an adult, you know, at the end of his ministry when he was abandoned and betrayed by by his friends and executed unjustly. And totally. that, and, he, and you can see in Jesus the full weight of that, you know, in sweating blood and, uh, you know, yeah, his just, he wasn't just physically broken. He was emotionally, mentally psychologically broken Absolutely. and and he goes through all that and he doesn't resist it and yeah i'm always inspired by that and i always feel a sense of solidarity with jesus uh when i remember that story and remember what his experiences were because that's when he's his most human but yet it's also when he's at his most divine that's it that's it it's it's I, I was doing a course this week. I've been doing a, a study in the Gospel of John. And last week's session, we were looking at John 7. And uh, Julie Canlis pointed out that that even Jesus's, you know, brothers and, and, and mother, like his family didn't really get him. Some of the time they did, right? We see that with his mom. But there's these other encounters where his siblings don't get him. And she was just saying, you know, even that, even not having the sense that our family knows who we are or that what we're passionate about or what brings us what our purpose is, what we feel our purpose is even that jesus knows and that broke me man <laughs> that just i was emotional wreck after that just again that solidarity 
of Jesus. And you know, I know you you know Stephanie Tate. She'd hit that too in, in the garden, that that intimacy that in the in the garden of his suffering, he would invite us to come and sit with him. And you know, so many of us we know the temptation to fall asleep. We we want we all have been guilty of numbing out and and not facing the pain. Jesus doesn't condemn us, but but he does invite us to be present with him. And I love the way you just summed that up, that his humanity and his divinity, like one actually enhances the other. One one almost proves the other in some wild way. You know, they're not alien natures to one another. And I and I think I think we've been taught that they are alien natures, and we've been given tool sets for how in Jesus they can be reconciled kind of miraculously. But I wonder if maybe the deeper truth is that Jesus is trying to say, look, these actually are not alien natures. That I cr- we created you in the first place to be like God. Maybe you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yeah, I know, and that's it. It's. The thing I've learned on my spiritual journey is that is that it's it's all about us. This internal journey that we go on is about us connecting more deeply with ourselves, discovering our true selves. And as we do that and we connect with our full humanity, then we connect more first we connect more with the divine and we but we also connect with our own divine selves, if that makes sense. You know, we like Jesus, we talked about Jesus. We talk about Jesus being a hundred percent human and a hundred percent divine, and I think they're both the same thing. Like mm-hmm. they, as you become more human and become your best self, more fully human, you become more in tune with the divine and more in tune with your divine self. Yes, totally, totally agree. And it's taken me a long time to even give myself permission to consider that because i i didn't grow up in a wretchedness tradition but still it was very much like jesus is is it's all about jesus 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 and i and and yes like let's double down on jesus but but what jesus keeps saying to me is yeah yes 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 but but i love you <laughs> i love you and i'm and i and i'm inside you that was the i think the wildest experience man for me was like a couple of i guess a month or two into my journey of in 2019 of trying to learn to love myself and feel all my emotions and celebrate them learn from them learn how to how to treat my emotions with dignity to not shove them down into the box but also not necessarily to let them like drive the car you know what i mean like i want to learn from my emotions but i don't want them to be in charge as such well, through all this stuff, I had this encounter one day where just suddenly I was kind of mem- meditating in stillness and silence and feeling my emotions and talking to myself. And all of a sudden, it was like I saw God inside of inside of my kind of mental landscape, inside of me. And I was like, God, I didn't expect to find you in here. And I just felt this voice of love be like, but of, but of course I'm in here. Like, I've just been waiting for you to find me in here. My, you know, your whole life. And and you start to reread scripture with this understanding that God is is indwelling us at all times, you know, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that that you and I already dwell in the house of the Lord. And all of a sudden it actually makes a lot more sense, you know, that 
that God would indwell his creation. In the same way that, you know, you, you, you create a work of art, you know, and there's a part of you that indwells it. You know that. Right. I mean, as, as I've put this book out, I've had some days really like quite strong nerves, and almost panic attacks as I as I consider, like, I hope people are nice to me. I hope when people when they read my book, I hope that they treat my stories with dignity and respect. And I also hope that that when they encounter me in my book, that it's helpful for them and that it produces good fruit. And so so in the same way that you and I put so much of ourselves into what we create, God you know, lives within us. Excuse me. I don't know if you can hear my tummy rumbling. Sorry. God lives. <laughs> God lives within us I didn't like and, and dwells us. So I'm on the same page with you, man. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really encouraging to see someone else who's gone through a similar journey. You know, it's, um, I think we need to hear these stories because there's many of us who be at the beginning of the journey or in the middle of the journey. And, need encouragement, needs solidarity. You know, that's why it's so important that books like yours come out and we hear these stories because it helps other people give confidence to keep going, you know, because uh, the journey is not easy, <laughs> um, but it is worth it that's, at the end. That's it. That's what I, that's what I tell people all the time, man. And especially like, there's this whole section in the middle of the book where, as you know, where I teach people how to feel their emotions and, and a, how, how to look at anger and sadness and even grief and see the gifts that they have for us, see what they're trying to communicate to us. And for some people, I know it's horrible going down that stuff. I mean, especially like, I think none of us want to feel sadness and loneliness, but uh, especially certain different personality types. You know, I'm thinking about my, my Enneagram seven friends and, and others where to sit still and feel unpleasant emotions feels, feels like death. And I, I have real great sympathy for that. I, I know how that feels and it's not always nice, but it is worth it. It is so worth it to feel your way through to the other side of those things you know, I thought I thought those strong emotions were like a black hole that I would never come out of, right? And I, it, it made me laugh after I'd learned from myself that that wasn't the case. You know, reading these articles from psychologists and 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 one of the one of the analogies that psychologists will often use is is that your emotions are like a tunnel. You know, it looks dark and scary, but it's not a black hole. It's not a pit. It is a tunnel, and you will come out the other side. But you'll never discover what what's on the other side of that tunnel until you go through it. And it's hard and scary and dark, but it's so worth it because you build, you build trust with yourself, you build compassion for yourself, and and that compassion that you have for your, for yourself, at least in my case, is it, flowed out into compassion for other people, and it's actually actually like learning to love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself has begun to make sense to me, as I faced myself with honesty. It actually like just really broke my heart for other people. Because if I've hated myself and if I've alienated myself and if I've not learned to love myself, how how have maybe everybody else has done the same thing? I don't want them to hate themselves. I don't want you to hate yourself. I don't want my children to to hate themselves and to sit in judgment on themselves like I did on me. So it's really pushed me out to the world, which is kind of a relief because I was scared when God said to me, like, hey, learn to love yourself. I was really scared that I would end up like in vanity and pride and conceit. 
but that is absolutely not what's happened. As you said, it's hard work. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, but like you say, it it's really worth it. Um, it really is. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for that journey and for this book, you know, and what are some of the key practices that you kind of discovered on your journey that, that have helped you? Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, one of the things that's been really big for me and I laughed at it in the first place was breathing and these breathing exercises. And I, I remember the first time that people were like, okay, you know, we're going to take a deep breath in. And I was kind of like, all right, moving on. This is weird. Or this is just pointless. And I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you would, if you would agree with this, because obviously all of our experiences are different, but I think to some degree as a white male, I have never had to give a lot of thought to my body and to the space that I take up and to actually just giving myself permission to breathe. I've never had to think about it because in so many ways, the world is made for people like you and I, at least people who look like you and I. But as I've listened to the voices of marginalized communities and realized that being given permission to take up their space is actually like a huge deal, I began to pay attention to that. And then I began to kind of listen to myself and realize actually that 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 is important for me too. And to be still, to take a really deep breath in, to allow the breath to flow down into my lungs, into every part of my body, to be still, to move slowly. As an as a man, as a manifestation of kindness. Mm. It's actually been really quite transformative. And it's impacted the way I do certain things. Like I, I'm the kind of guy who almost always takes stairs, two stairs at a time. Like I'm always kind of in a hurry and I, even in my house, I I live on like a, in Canada, we have these split level homes. So it's not a full two story house, like in the sense that the stories aren't over top of one another at the back of the house, there's like two stories, but at the front, there's only one story in the middle. And so we call it a split level. And so I only have like, I have six steps and then I have another six steps, put it that way. But I will run up and down these steps, like my life's depending on it. And as I've learned to breathe and be still, I've actually found myself moving slower and taking steps one step at a time. And it sounds really silly, and maybe this sounds really trivial, but it it has allowed me to be a lot more at peace. And it's manifesting in all kinds of different ways now, right? Like, hey, I've, I've got an interview for someone's podcast or a radio show or TV, and I haven't done TV before, and I'm a bit nervous. And I'm just being still, and I'm breathing. I'm going, okay, well, right here, right now, in this moment, I'm just going to enjoy breathing and I'm going to enjoy considering that my lungs work really well. And maybe your lungs don't work really well. Maybe that's hard for you to consider, but maybe there's another part of your body that does work well and you can go, wow, God, God did this really well. And as I've practiced doing that, it's allowed me to be more thankful in other areas of my life. And it's allowed me to lean into all these other different things. And it's actually begun to inform some of the other practices, which I can also unpack. But breathing was the one that really took me by surprise because I kind of wrote it off, but it's the one that I come back to most readily. And actually now when I see it in scripture, it's everywhere that God would 
would breathe life into us, that God would give us his spirit, his breath, his ruach. It's, it's actually like woven throughout scripture. But again, we, we can become blind to those things so easily when we take them for granted. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's really fascinating how, how that can happen. You know, there's some things that just you just you don't see until they're gone or they're nearly gone or you know that uh, you know that you can take for granted absolutely um so what is your what's your biggest hope with this with this book it would be that people could go on this kind of similar journey to what i went on without maybe having to do as much of the research, put it that way. You're going to have to do a lot of hard work. You're going to have to do a lot of deep emotional excavation uh, if you want to do it with integrity. But maybe you don't have to go and read all the sources and explore all the weird corners of of self-help and psychology and spirituality and and mysticism in order to in order to harmonize them all together. That's kind of what I thought I could do. Maybe maybe I can take all these ingredients and throw them in the crock pot and then I can serve up something that is good for you and you can just kind of slurp it right out the top of the of the teacup. And so uh, that's kind of what I've tried to do with the trauma-informed psychology and the emotional understanding and the, the, uh, the contemplative spirituality and then even into into slightly more you know deeper areas of psychology where we talk about our our parts and our the different kind of frameworks that make up our our own mind that we usually take for granted but that actually we can slow down and and talk to these different parts of our own psychological framework try to bring all those together and harmonize between all these different tools synthesize them together in such a way that you could pick this up and read for 10 minutes and then be guided through prayer and meditation into a process of connecting with yourself and loving yourself. And honestly, I'll, I'll actually, I'll just read this out because I got this, I printed this. I got this email from someone the other day and this, this really, it humbles me and it, and it, it's very powerful. This woman, I don't know this woman. She, I don't even, I tried to find her on Instagram. I don't even know who she is. I don't even know how she found me or found my Patreon, but she came on as a Patreon supporter and she she wrote to me and she said, Jonathan, I was raised as a Christian and I've been identifying as a Christian all my life, but today I actually realized what it means to be loved by God, to belong to him, to be his daughter. I've only just finished day one of your book, but I have so much renewed hope. Thank you so very much. I thought that's it. If somebody can sit for a minute and come to appreciate how much God loves them, if they could feel that and know that in their bones, not just in their brain, that's it, man. That's that's more than I could ask for. So that's that's really what drives me. And it's been very, very touching to get these messages from people as they go down this journey it's uh, it's like I don't even always know how to respond, man. It's just so sacred and special. Yeah, that's right. It's amazing when you get that kind of response to something that you've done. I mean, that is um, that is that is a beautiful thing. <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I highly recommend this book to everybody. Uh, go and check it out wherever you get your books. Um, it's. Uh, it is really amazing. Um, so, yeah, and uh, thank you for writing it. 
Oh, that's my pleasure. Thank, I mean, thanks for those kind words, James. It means a lot, especially from one one writer. You know, like, like one writer and podcaster, right? You know, we're trying to kind of build a thing and we're trying to encourage people and we're slaving away with our day jobs or whatever it is we've got to do. And, you know, it's it's hard and, and it's difficult to balance. Um, and, and you've actually been at it far longer than, than I have, at least for the podcasting. So thank you. It means a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm excited as I've been watching your journey and, and what God's been showing you and as you've had to hit pause on things and then, and then dive back into things. It's, uh, it's a fascinating process that we all get to kind of be involved in. Mm. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a, it's a great thing we get to do, um, to do these, do our podcast and to, and to write. It's, uh, and to share our stories. It's, it's a really amazing, amazing privilege. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so where can people connect with you online and, and everything like that? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on all the socials. I'm most active on Instagram, but, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you'll find me at Jonathan Puddle. You'll also find me uh, at jonathanpuddle.com where my blog is and the podcast is hosted and you'll find the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. I've actually just as of today, uh, recording today, uh, I've got the meditation component of each of these daily readings up on Apple Music and Spotify and elsewhere. And so on Spotify, actually, if you search Jonathan Puddle or if you search You Are Enough, you'll find a playlist with all of kind of my my choice of music that goes along with the daily readings. So you can, you can do all that. And then uh, it's on YouTube as well um, with the music and the audio book is supposed to be releasing it anytime soon. I've recorded it. I've submitted it to, you know, Amazon or audible and elsewhere. They don't move fast on the audio books for some reason, but they should be out pretty much everywhere uh, very soon. So yeah, it's been a lot of work uh, self-published at all, but it's been, it's been encouraging and, and and I'm so glad that it's been a blessing to people. Fantastic. I'd, I'd recommend connecting with uh, with Jonathan because, uh, yeah, he does some great stuff and his podcast is great as well. So uh, take a listen to that too. Um, thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, it's It's been a real privilege to have you on. So, uh, my pleasure, James. Great to connect and, and to share with with your people. Hopefully... It's a source of hope and, and healing, and some other folks can can go on the same journey that that you and I have gone on, moving towards ourselves and compassion and love, and to embodying that love that God has for us, um, and offering it to ourselves, so that we can then, you know, more authentically offer it to other people. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan, and uh, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs>